And if you're here today and you are a Christian, my prayer is that when you leave, your tank will be full to represent him well this holiday season. Amen? Take your Bible and join me in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We will bounce back to Matthew just for a moment in this message, so you may want to mark that as well. Matthew chapter 1. But we begin our Christmas series, and the title of the series is Gifts to Give This Christmas. Gifts to Give This Christmas. For many, Christmas is about what we would call traditions. And I think you all know me as your pastor well enough to know that I'm, I'm pretty traditional. Um, here at first, I don't apologize for the traditions we uphold around Christmas. I love the caroling. I love the kids. I love the choir. I love the buzz of the season to celebrate the birth of King Jesus. I love it right down to a sloppy Joe sandwich and a cup of hot chocolate. I love it right down to a Christmas treat bag that we'll pass out in a few weeks. I love it right down to an annual Christmas Eve service. Folks that years ago started out with a handful and has become now a major opportunity for folks in our community that may not have a church to come and celebrate, and we'll do it again. The Christmas Eve service was never created to cause a hardship on you and your family. It was created for an opportunity for folks that might be available. And be reminded that it is a brief service. Uh, our, 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 our commitment is to get you out here quick, but we wanna start that night worshiping King Jesus, amen? So this year, the Christmas Eve is on Saturday, so we'll gather at five, and on Christmas Day, what are we going to do? Brother Greg, what are we going to do on Christmas Day? We're going to worship the king. And we're going to do it in a one combined service at 1045. So you're going to see some of your friends that have been coming to the early service. And we'll come together with no Sunday school that morning. We'll come together in one worship service to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So I pray that you'll just factor that right into your plans. Okay? And, uh, and be part of that. That's tradition. So oftentimes when we come to a special time of, of the year, we want to go back to the way it used to be. We want to recreate something that we've already been part of. We want to repeat it one more time. We want the moment. We want the event. We want the feeling that we once had. Uh, we, we get that from expecting something. What are you expecting this Christmas? And when you look at Luke's account of the birth of Christ, we're reminded that the first Christmas was anything but normal, and it was all about the unknown. So Lord, as we open your word this morning, I recognize that I'm preaching to folks that have heard this story over and over again, but Lord, you can't fix up scripture. There, I don't need to do anything with it, but preach it. Because the precious story of your birth is unchanging. So have your way. Get our attention this morning. 
Help us to not leave here the same. Holy Spirit of God, you know what every heart needs in this place today. Some folks here today need to be saved. Some Christians need to be drawn back. For some Christians, we need to get serious about sharing our faith. For some of us, Lord, we, we've been living selfish lives. It's all about getting and receiving. Lord, help us to recognize it's about giving. So speak to us again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Gifts to give this Christmas. This morning we look at Mary, we look at Joseph. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you're with me, say amen. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed or formally engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Twice in verse 27, you read the word virgin. I want you to circle that. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy one is to be born, will be called the son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This first Christmas is far from what we would call normal. And it was far from what anyone would expect. Now, what do we know about the first Christmas? Well, we know that 700 years before the birth of Christ in the book of Isaiah, the Bible testified to it. Isaiah prophesied to it. Isaiah 7, 14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. A few chapters later, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we read the words, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. If you're glad this morning that Jesus Christ is wonderful to you, say amen. His name will be Counselor. If you're glad this morning that there's someone who knows everything about you, say amen. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, Jesus came to do what no one else could do. A God who loved us so much, he came into this world. And he did it supernaturally. Now, what do we know? 
that 700 years prior, it was prophesied. We also recognize from this uh, reading, once again, that Mary was faithfully committed to Joseph. I asked Renee yesterday, listen to me, men, I don't advise this, but I asked her yesterday, how long were we engaged after I gave you the, the ring? We dated five years. Somehow I'd lost track of how long it was between will you marry me, and it was a romantic. I mean, it was, it, I mean, I set the bar high, guys. We were in a 1981 Toyota Tercel. I had a stick in the middle. We were on North Dixie Drive. If you've ever been there, it's a romantic spot. And I was sweating because I had the ring in my pocket. And I just kind of just stopped and just fumbled for it and said, here. And my question to her was, how long was it between here and I do at the altar? And she said, well, it wasn't very long. Wasn't very long. What we do know is Mary was faithfully committed to Joseph. Now listen to me carefully. I know we have some young ears in this service, but young ears need to hear this. God has a plan for your sexual life. What? No, I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to let the public school system tell you. God has a plan for you. And that is to save yourself for your husband or wife when you're married. Marriage, that's a novel thought. What's that about between a man and a woman? So when, when you say, I do, what God wants you is to be pure before you get there. You say, well, Brother Greg, I've already blown that. Well, I've got good news for you. There's a cross called Calvary that Jesus died to pay for our mistakes and sin. And if we're willing to say, God, forgive me, listen, he'll do what he says he'll do. And I'm grateful for grace. Is anybody grateful for grace in the room? Man, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. If sex is created by God, then it must be good. And what we've done is we've distorted it. We've distorted it thinking that, hey, I'll just satisfy a, an instant pleasure and then I'll feel good about it. No, let me tell you something. When you do things that are not God's way, after it's over, there's guilt and there's shame. But yet when God says, do things my way, I'll bless it. And I want to tell you something. We may not know a whole lot about the, the miraculous, how can a, a girl give birth to a baby only by the divine God the Father, only by God's plan as a virgin I may not understand it all, but I understand this. When I try to do things my way, I always mess them up. But I can take him at his word and trust him that we're dealing in this passage with a woman who's never had a sexual relationship with any man. And she's committed her heart to Joseph. You, could, you can see what she thinks of her relationship with Joseph. Hey, hey girls, don't ever buy this from a boy. Prove your love to me. If you have to prove it physically, he doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. I'll, okay, well, what about him? Mark your Bible, put your ribbon right there, boom. Go to Matthew chapter one. What about him? If you're with me so far, amen. If I haven't lost you there, say amen. If you're squirming a little, say amen. Okay, we all are. 
Verse 18, chapter 1, Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, formally engaged before they came together. See, both gospel writers make sure we understand that. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, it says something about his character. Not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. So we get the idea that Joseph knows now what's happened. Imagine the conversation. Verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What we do know is that 700 years prior to the birth of Christ, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah said it would take place. What we do know that Mary and Joseph were faithfully committed to each other. What we do know is that she was pure because of her commitment to him. And when I think about that, I think of the overwhelming shock of the news. Of the news. It's interesting that in Matthew's gospel, the Bible says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. The Bible doesn't describe Joseph as the father of Jesus. It describes him as Mary's husband. And he would be chosen to raise Jesus. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? Um, you know how we as parents raise our kids? And every now and then, you have conversations where a teenager perhaps doesn't want to go along with our instruction. And you say to them, you act like you know everything. Could you imagine Joseph saying that to Jesus? Well, I do, Dad, I do but it doesn't say he does that. And I think when you get a picture of Mary and Joseph, you see that God does something with some unlikely people because when you think about this first Christmas, it was all about the unknown. Now, there had been silence for 400 years from the Old Testament to the New. The prophets had gotten quiet. And now, on the scene, John the Baptist. On the scene, uh, here comes Jesus. And hope is alive and well. So go back to Luke. The gospel writers remind us this morning that when you think about the birth of Christ, you have to think about the supernatural part of it. Uh, years ago, growing up at North Dayton Baptist Church, we went through a few pastors. And every time they would have a pastor interview of a prospective pastor, there was a quiet man in our church named Harold. Harold never said anything until we were calling a new pastor. And the church was open for questions, and Harold sat close about where you are, Mary, and he raised his hand, and, and they called on him. Brother Harold, what would you like to say? And he would stand up, very quiet, humble man, and he would ask the preacher this question. Look at me. Do you believe in the virgin birth? 
And I would sit there and I'd think, why does he always ask that question? I mean, he only has one question. Do you believe in the virgin birth? I want to tell you something. If you don't believe in the virgin birth, it's not the gospel. If you don't believe in the virgin birth, it's not the Bible. If you don't believe in the virgin birth, it's not the God of the Bible. You'll say, Brother Greg, I still don't believe it. Well, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of things in Scripture we may not understand. But until you step out by faith and take God at his word, you're going to miss the boat. You're going to miss the boat. So here's a few things I want you to take home with you today. Here's the first part. Christmas is about a supernatural experience, born of a virgin, and an enthusiastic declaration. A supernatural appearance and an enthusiastic declaration. Supernatural, virgin born. Defies all odds. It cannot happen. With God, all things are possible. God says, I'm gonna do something the world can never do, and it has to be done. I've gotta be the one doing it. And that the plan is not something I'm coming up with on the fly. It's from the foundation of the world. God in the flesh. Bethlehem. When people saw Jesus, they saw God. But also Christmas is a time of joy. It's a time of enthusiasm. It's a time of hope. And we should be reminded this year of God's great love for us gives us hope. Now, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been with a group of people, and it seems like everybody around you is celebrating, and you feel like you're missing something? Or maybe you're in a crowd, and you feel all alone. The Bible says in verse 29, but when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. The word trouble means to be disturbed. It means to be alarmed. Maybe an understatement. She didn't get it. Everyone seemed to be excited around her about things going on in her life, and now she's overwhelmed with this possibility that God is saying, you're a mother, and you're going to be delivering the Son of God. And the Bible says, at his saying, she considered what manner of greeting it was. Considered means to cast it in your mind. So this morning, some folks are troubled. Maybe you're here and you're troubled. And I can assure you that oftentimes when the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, sometimes, folks, it's not pleasant. When God reveals to me sin in my life, it's painful. It's painful. And you might be here and you're thinking, God's doing something in my life, preacher, but I'm not sure what it is. Maybe God's calling you to himself. Maybe God's calling you to just lay it on the line and say, okay, Lord, if you can use a young girl to be the mother of Jesus, what, what are you asking me to do? What are you calling me to be part of? For some of you, he's calling you to come to him and just say, okay, Lord, I give up. I give up. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not trying to do this thing on my own. I'm not going to try to live life and think that somehow I'm going to be good enough when I take my last breath just to slide into heaven. 
You know, we have two grandsons, elementary, uh, the, the two youngest in elementary here in Camden. Uh, they have an account uh, when you go through lunch. This is my understanding. So when we get them on Friday, we usually give them an extra dollar to get something extra when they go through the line. You parents know what I'm saying, say amen. Well, there's a problem. Kobe always seems to get what we gave him money for. Jordy always goes home with money in his bag. Is it because uh, he's saving? No, it's because he forgets. Stephanie, he forgets. And there have been times when they've gone through line, Cody, and there's like nothing on the account. Anybody will say amen, or are we the only ones that experience this? Some of you are thinking one day you're going to slide through the cafeteria line of spiritual life, and you're going to come up to Jesus, and you're thinking you've got what it takes only to find out, depart from me, I never knew you. And I love the fact you're in church today. It's a good crowd. But I want you to be reminded, and if I die tomorrow, I want it to stick in your heart. You're not going to heaven because you're in church today. You only go to heaven by trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Boy, that takes a lot of pressure off of me because that means that there's nothing I do would merit me going to heaven. And when Jesus changes your life, what you do is about who he is. It's about honoring him and bearing fruit and serving and sharing for the glory of God. So the first thing you see is a supernatural appearance. Don't ever get over it. Our oldest grandson, Aiden, is 13 today. Many of you remember the day he was born. I'm going to hold him up here for the first time. And you're thinking, look, Brother Greg, he's sickening. Look at him as a papaw. 13 years, 13 years. Don't you ever get over Jesus. Number two, Christmas is about heavenly assurance. It's about heavenly assurance. Because when you read the story, look at verse 30. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You found favor with God. God wants to calm your fears. He wants to calm the weary heart. There's a song many of you are familiar with called Weary Traveler. He wants to give you strength. Now, what are some things that God can help me with this morning? Well, first of all, here's some good news. You ready? Listen to me. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say amen. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're glad of that, say Amen. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I love that. You see, Christmas is about heavenly assurance. For some people, salvation is about spiritual insurance. You just don't want to go to hell. Well, folks, I'm telling you, Jesus died, listen, not so we just live a life and just so we don't go to hell when we die. The Bible says he come to give us life and life abundantly. He wants to give us a purpose. Purpose. How many of you, 
If you're still working away from home, and I never realized a lot of folks work at home now. Uh, like one of my favorite movies, What About Bob? He wakes up in the morning and goes over to his fish bowl, feeds his fish, and hits the time clock. But how many of us wake up and say, oh, here we go again. Oh, man, if I can just get through another week and try, try to live to the weekend and, and just see, just try, to, just try to survive. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus died to help us with that. To overcome mundane life. I want to give you hope. I want to give you a purpose. He gives us heavenly assurance. Folks, heaven is the icing on the cake. It's the icing on the cake. Let me tell you something. Howard Cotrera is finding out that his faith has become sight. Old Brother Greg, old Dick, if you guys would have really seen heaven, you'd preach different about it than we did on earth because it's way more than I thought it would be. I love that, don't you? I love that. You know, Howard played golf way up into these years. He's 95, so I don't know how many years ago he quit playing golf, and a lot of it had to do with back and stuff like that, but he was a very good golfer. He's had two hole-in-ones. You know what that means? You know what a hole in one? You, you swing and hope. And I mean, think about the diameter of a golf ball in a hole, Keith. Have you ever had a hole in one? I didn't think so. I mean, it's a stroke of skill and luck. Like the hole just got in front of the ball. Not many people can say that. Folks, let me tell you something. Heaven isn't a stroke of luck and hoping that the good outweighs the bad and you somehow slide in. Heaven is about faith becoming sight where you're all in. Where you're all in. Now, when you think about the baby to be born, the Christ child, there's a resume. Mary gets it even before Jesus physically lives it. Look at the passage. You found favor with God, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name what? Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary says, how can this be? Mary's getting back to the virgin question. How can this be since I did not know a man? And God gives her assurance. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. You see, for Mary and Joseph, Christmas was about the unknown. And I want to tell you, Christmas is a good time to ask honest questions. So this morning... As we wrap it up, what did Mary and Joseph bring Jesus? What can you bring Jesus this Christmas? Here's the first thing they brought. They brought hearts of faith over hearts of fear. Now, for some people, they don't want to come to Christ because I can't keep it. Okay? Good, honest question. Here's my response. That's a good question because you, you couldn't keep it anyway. If you were good enough, you couldn't keep it. 
That's why Jesus came. You see, it's a good time to ask honest questions. Don't be afraid of people questioning the word of God. When people question the word of God, praise the Lord for the power of God. Praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit that convicts and moves. And the Bible says the word of God doesn't return void. So wherever it's being preached this morning, Ken, this morning at the truck stop, where it was preached, it will not return void. You can count on it. The Bible doesn't say that we're not afraid. There was so much of the unknown they didn't understand and trying to process it. And be reminded this morning that Jesus Christ is the answer to your fear. He's what you need. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. You know, any young couple, when they're married, when they contemplate having a family, there's all kinds of uncertainty. But if the Lord can use a, a young lady to be the mother of his son, if the Lord can take her fiance and bring him on board, he can do anything in your life. That brings us to last. Mary and Joseph brought a soul of surrender. They brought their soul and it was simply surrendered to God. It was surrendered to God. I watched a movie this week and an actor, George Clooney, walked up to a bank teller's window and said, do you see the man over there sitting at the table? And the teller said, yes. Said he has a gun in his pocket. And uh, I want you to begin to give me every bill except the bottom bills in your, in your drawer. Have you ever been robbed before, he said? She goes, no, I've never been robbed. He said, just do what I say and you'll be okay. In essence, he was saying, surrender to me and you'll be okay. Folks, salvation is not about surrendering to a person. It's about surrendering to a holy God, the Savior of the world, God in the flesh. So what's keeping you from placing your faith in Christ? What's keeping you from going all in? Maybe you're here today and you're a believer, and there's been a time in your life when you're way closer to God than you are right now. What's keeping you from having that good relationship? Let me give you a few things. Number one, I think shame about messing up. We're all in the same boat. There's nobody perfect in this room. Anybody want to say amen? Regret because of a decision. Guilt because of that decision. But I believe the last one may be the biggest one. Pride. We believe it all, Brother Greg. I believe what you're saying. I believe every one of those three things, shame, regret, and guilt. I believe all of that. But here it is, folks. It's pride. Because we want to live a life with a smoke screen of making everybody think we're spiritually okay and we've come to church today and we've given our tithe and, and we've sang a few songs and I'll leave out of here and if somebody could really see the, my heart, they would know I'm bleeding and they, they don't even know it. No, I'm, I'm by myself. I'm living in a world where no one cares. Let me tell you something. Pride is what keeps people away from a relationship with Christ. And I love the fact that there is a heavenly father who's never seen a mess he couldn't handle. Anybody will say amen? My mess was pretty big. You know what Paul said? Of sinners, I'm the chief. He wasn't bragging about it. He was just saying, quit trying to compare your life as if you're somehow worse than I am. I realize who I am. 
and God uses him for his glory. How about Peter? Peter was always the guy that was there. He was always the guy talking a big game. And he's the one who denies Christ three times. Boy, what a wasted testimony. His life is over. Not so fast. Jesus met him on the seashore after his resurrection, and he preached the message at Pentecost. Don't you ever think that you're too far that God can't grab you? I love that. You know, uh, you know, they say don't trust a preacher who keeps saying last point. One of the best tools in a golfer's bag, ready, is a ball retriever. Number one, you find balls that aren't yours, but also you can get one that no one else can reach. And I'm telling you, the good news is there's a Holy Spirit that can reach you right where you're at, loves you more than anything, and wants you to have a relationship with him today. Amen? Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Okay, now listen to me. The invitation is not the end of the service. The devil would make you think, okay, we're done. No, the invitation is the most important part now. What are we gonna do with what we've heard? If you're here today and you're a Christian, you know beyond a 